Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. Families are on my heart today. Your children are on my heart today. I just got out of a series called Legacy, and I'm, I'm thinking about our kids, and I'm thinking about the next generation a lot. And uh, so it's just stirring in my heart, and I want to give, give you some, some things today. This is 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul writes to his son in the faith, Timothy, and he says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. Now, now watch it. It didn't start with you. It lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I'm persuaded, watch this, now lives in you also. Now lives in you also. And here's what I want to do today. I want to talk about transferring our faith to our children. And so um, I want to talk about four Christmas gifts, four Christmas presents, four Christmas gifts that you can give to your children. Now I got good news. The good news is they're all free. But here's the sobering news. They're going to cost you everything. But I believe that we can pass something on to our children that will absolutely not only impact their life, but impact your family forever. Can I get a good amen right there? And I'm fired up about this word. So, And if you're sitting there going, I'm not a parent yet, well, one day you might be. And so uh, write this stuff down anyway. If you're a big brother, big sister, auntie, uncle. Uh, just a a leader in anybody's life, I believe that you can learn some things today. So I'm fired up about it. I'm fired up about it. And I believe God has something to say. So Father, in the name of Jesus, speak now through me and um, bless your people, Lord, through this word. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen and amen. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. We do serve the God of generations. When God introduced himself to Moses, he said, Moses, this is my name forever. I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, Maybe write this thought down. God always thinks in threes. God is a God not just of one generation, but multiple generations. He's, He's the God who, when he calls you, when he saves you, when he ordains you, when he anoints you, he's not just thinking about you. He's thinking about the generations that are going to come behind you. God God is obsessed with blessing the next generation through you. This is what God does. He does everything in threes. He does everything in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Maybe you're even in church today and you go, man, I don't know if James River is maybe the right church for me. The music's a little loud. The lights are a little bright. The young people are a little young on stage. Uh, do I have a place here? And my answer is yes. Now you might be an Abraham, but yes, we need you. But can I tell you, Abraham, can I tell you, Isaac, we are really committed to Jacob. We're thinking about those kids in kids' ministry right now. We're thinking about our young people in youth ministry. We're thinking about your children that are being raised up because it is now a proven fact that 85% of people who come to Christ in America will do so before they turn 18. And 80% of them will do so before they turn 14. So there is an openness to the gospel in young people. Uh, My joke at home 
is that I trick adults into uh, making them think that I'm their pastor. In reality, I'm just a kid's pastor. I'm just a youth pastor. At the end of the day, we just want to minister to children because we know there is an openness to the gospel. And if we can reach them young, we can not only save them from so much pain and heartache, but we can create something in them at a young age that will impact them for the rest of their life. God is a God of generations. Jesus said it like this, Mark chapter 10. The people brought children to Jesus, hoping that he might touch them, that he might bless them. And the disciples, they tried to shoo them off. But Jesus was irate and let them know it. Ooh, I never want to be on that side of Jesus. Amen. Don't push these children away. Don't ever get between them and me. These children are at the very center of life. In the kingdom. Wow. At the very center. When, when Jesus speaks of center language, he's talking of most importance. He's talking foundational language. Remember that the throne of God is not at the end of heaven, but at the center of heaven. So what is most important in heaven is God at the center of heaven. And what is at the center of kingdom life and what is at the center of God's heart is the next generation. If, if the next generation matters to God, it ought to matter to you. It ought to matter to this church. It ought to matter to every Christian. If it is at the center of God's heart, it ought to be at the center of our heart. Jesus makes a odd statement. Maybe you've read this statement in Matthew 18 and thought, what? What was he thinking? Whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin... It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. You go, what is going on there? You read these odd statements sometimes. You just go, what did that mean? Well, you got to understand that was a normal cultural statement of the day. And the normal cultural statement of that day was basically, you can get rid of your kids. If, if, if you don't like them, give them away. If, if, if you don't want them, get rid of them. If you don't want them, abandon them. Because before Christ came to the earth, you can study this in history, kids were just free labor. Kids just were disposable. Kids weren't really seen as human yet. They were just around. They were, they were tolerated, not celebrated. Christ comes as a child to show value that I'm not coming as an adult. I'm not coming as king. I'm coming as a baby lamb. I'm, I'm coming defenseless. I'm, I'm coming in the seat of a woman. I'm, I'm coming as a child to bring value to the next generation. And Jesus says, you, you think you can just get rid of children? No, you cannot. They bring value. They are human. They are deserving of dignity. God has always called and loved and had a plan for young people all through the Bible. From Samuel to David, I mean, we could go down the line. Jeremiah, the disciples who were teenagers when Jesus called them. This is the plan of God. And Jesus said, you can't get rid of children. Don't cause children to stumble. Don't get in between me and children. I've got a plan for children. That's why we're building that youth building over there. Or there, I don't know where it's at. Somewhere, we're building a youth building. Why we got to build a Why we got to spend all that money? Because they're at the very center of kingdom life. That's why we're bringing truckloads of presents to children all over these communities. Why we got to do all that? 
Because they're at the center of kingdom life. Why do we invest so much in kids' buildings and security and background checks and getting the right volunteers? And every Sunday, we're looking for more volunteers. Why are we looking for more? Because they're at the very center of kingdom life. I have to admit that at 40 years old as a preacher, I'm not at the center. But I can do my part to not get in the way of God and his kids. Say amen, somebody. Exodus chapter 29. Let me show you a crazy scripture. Exodus 29, verse 29. God is writing about his priest, Aaron. And look what he says. Aaron's sacred garments must be preserved. Watch this. For his descendants who succeed him. They will wear them. Can we all say that line out loud? Come on. Let's say, they will wear them. Okay, can, can you just hear me for a second? God says, Aaron, whatever you wear, your kids are going to wear. What's on you is going to get on your kids. If you're free, you're going to give them freedom. If you're addicted, it's going to be passed down. If you, if you love God, it's going to get on your kids. If you fight the preacher every week, don't be surprised when your kids start fighting their preacher every week. If, if you're excited about the house of God, it's going, whatever you wear, priest of your home, whatever you wear, mom and dad, whatever you wear, it's going to get on your kids. Even after a Sunday, when you get in the car, if you didn't love my sermon, lie. Okay, don't lie, but maybe a little Rahab lie. Let me explain. How is church? Praise the Lord. Just turn on the music. But, but don't get in the car and then have your pastor for lunch. Have ribs for lunch, but not the preacher for lunch. Because you don't want that complaining spirit to get on your kids. Church was so good. The worship was so good. The preaching was preaching. Keep a positive outlook because my kids are going to wear my faith or they're going to wear my doubt. They're going to put on my prayer life or they're going to put on my pride. They're going to put on my generosity or they're going to put on my greed. Can I tell you, don't get so caught up in generational blessing, generational curses. What is it? Don't make it mysterious. Think of it like clothing. I'm going to pass something on to my children. They will wear it. God said they, not they might, they will. That means if your kids are not wearing your righteousness right now, don't worry. They can run, but they cannot hide. Prodigals are coming home in the name of Jesus. Your children will serve. Oh, I like this late service. I feel a little bit fired up. I want to tell you, you and your whole household, you're going to serve the Lord in Jesus' name. Okay, what, what can I give my kids? What can I give my kids? What can I give my kids? Number one, you can give them a love for the Word of God. The grass withers, the, the flower fades, but the Word of our God stands forever. One of the clearest memories I have of my childhood is somehow, no matter how early I woke up, my parents were always up before me with a Bible and a coffee. Can I tell you, I'm 40 years old. I love the Bible and I love coffee. Amen. It's transferable. I can still see my mom on the couch with this big, giant uh, 
New American Standard Bible. That's what she's always read. New American Standard Bible with all of these highlighter pens. She had colors for everything. She was color-coding that Bible. That Bible looked like a rainbow. I mean, it was unbelievable. All these different colors. Pink meant this, and blue meant this, and yellow meant this, and green meant this. And, 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 and uh, she, she would even be able, you would say, what's that scripture? And she'd go, I know it's on the left side of the page. It's in purple. Let me just go to the, and she would be able to find it. She like knew where everything was. Can I tell you that can get on your kids? I, I didn't love the word of God as a kid, but I remember it. I think something was being transferred to me. Oh, how I love your law, Psalm 119. I meditated on, on it all day long. Your commands are always with me. You make me wiser than my enemies. Friend, if you have an enemy, God has a word. If you have an enemy, God has an instruction. If you have an enemy, God has a promise. If you're fighting sickness, God has an Isaiah 53. If you're, if you're fighting bondages, God has a 2 Corinthians chapter 10. If you're fighting the devil, God has an Acts chapter 10. For every problem, there is a promise, there is a command, there is a word from God, and we can pass this book on to our children. I love what Pastor Bill Johnson says. The Bible's the only book where the author is present every time you read it. Preach, Pastor Bill. Sometimes I read the Word, and it feels like it's in 3D, just going right into my soul. Other times I read the Bible, and 15, 20, 30 minutes passes by, and I go, what in the world have I been doing? Come on, somebody. Can I be honest? Amen. Just somebody, you're like, what? Huh? Where have I, have I been asleep? What just happened? But you stay faithful to the word. And, and, and sometimes your mind comprehends it, and other times your soul's washed by it, but either way, you stay in the word. Let me give you a, let me give you a good Bible verse about the Bible. My favorite Bible verse about the Bible, Romans 10, 8. What does it say? Oh, I love this. What does it say? Can, can I, let me just stop right there. What does the Bible say? Well, you know, the Bible says, you get that in your heart, you become unstoppable. Kids come home from school with some confusion. They've heard some things. They're going to you, and you go, well, what does the Bible say? <clears throat> Fighting sickness in your body, what does the Bible say? Need a plan for your finances in 2024, what does the Bible say? Trying to get wisdom about a relationship? What does the Bible say? Wondering if you should date him or date her? or well, What does the Bible say? It's not that you're going to get a verse that says you can date Julie. But you can get a verse that describes what a woman of God is. You're not going to get thou shalt date Brad. But you can get some verses about what a man of God should look like. And this, this becomes your foundation. What does it say? What does the word say? Need, need wisdom parenting? What does the Bible say? Need help in your marriage? What does the Bible say? Need to make some big decisions? What does the Bible say? Want to know the will of God? What does the Bible say? The Bible is the only book that when you read it, it reads you. It gets all up in your business. And it changes you from the inside out. I'm a Bible man. I'm a Bible preacher. I'm a Bible Christian. This, this book has saved my life. And it'll change your family. Number two, you can give your children a love for God's house. 
<laughs> as for me and my house, Joshua 24, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You cannot make every decision for your child, but you can set the values and the non-negotiables for your household. And one of them should be church attendance. Well, you know, little Billy doesn't like going to church. <laughs> Does he like the heater in the winter? <laughs> well, you know, Sarah didn't find a lot of friends at youth group. Does she like the AC in the summer? <laughs> no, there, no we, as for me and my house, I can't decide everything, but we are going to church. This, this is a non-negotiable. Would you like food? Would you like to eat? Okay, then we're going to church. This is just a rule. This is, this is a non-negotiable. Well, my kids are over 18. Well, they're still in your house. If, if Junior's 22, but living at home and ain't paying the mortgage, you better drag him to church. Get him in the house of God. What are we talking about? We've this is powerful. I had a man. I was preaching along these lines recently, and a man walked up and he said, Pastor, with all due respect, I must disagree. As a kid, my parents made me come to church, and I hated it, and I resented him for it. And I said, well, how old are you now? He said, I'm 35. I go, I guess it worked. <laughs> Here you are with your wife and your kids. I guess it worked. And he went, I never thought about that. I said, that's why you need a pastor. Amen. I said, you ought to call your parents this afternoon and thank them for dragging you to church, making you go to church. Can I tell you, as a kid, I had a drug problem. I don't talk about it a lot, but I had a pretty bad drug problem. I got drugged to youth every Wednesday night. I got drugged to Friday night revival service. I got drugged to Saturday morning prayer. I got drugged to Sunday morning and Sunday. If the doors were open, I was there. And I went kicking and screaming until one day, I met God in church. David said it like this, better is one day in your courts than a thousand days anywhere else because you never know the day that you're going to get healed. You never know the day you're going to get wisdom for your job. You never know the day you're going to get a second chance at your marriage. You never know the day that you might meet the person that you're going to marry. You never know the day that you might meet your best friend. You never know the day you're going to get a word from the word that's going to I'm just telling you church is you're in a different atmosphere. It's a different anointing. Read the Bible at home, play worship in the car, but there's nothing like the gathering of the saints when we get together to lift up the name of Jesus. Can I get a good amen? I still believe in the church. I believe in the power of the gathering. I believe that when you and I get together and we connect our faith together, anything is possible. My pastor, Jensen Franklin, said, Jabin, you know you're backsliding when your child has to ask, are we going to church today? Missing church should be a rare exception. Y'all about as quiet as they are in Vegas right now, but I'm going to keep preaching anyway. No, yeah, because like, I, I am the church. No, you're not. You're a part of the church. I am the body of Christ. That's how we talk on the West Coast, and we, and we twirl when we do it. I am the body of Christ. Because we're hippies. 
We're, we're granola on the West Coast, fruits, flakes, and nuts. You know, we're a mess on the West Coast. I am the church, Javen. I don't need, the church is not a building. Why are you building a building? The, ch we, the church is not a building. Really? Listen, friend, the church might not be a building, but it is a gathering. And when we get together, all things become possible. When we get together, awesome things can happen. Now listen, I get once in a while, you're going to be hacking up a cough. Don't come in here, cough on me. Amen. I, I understand every once in a while, you're going to get great seats to the Chiefs game, and you're going to go make the drive and do that on a Sunday. I get it. Once in a while, you're going to have family in town for a party. I get it. Once in a while, we miss. We go on vacations. I get it. But I'm just saying, the norm is like, if it's Sunday, we're in church. Period. Because there's something powerful about getting together. Not giving up the meeting together. Hebrews 10. As some are in the habit of doing. How many know church is a habit? <laughs> and all the more, as you see the day approaching, the darker it gets out there, the more important and necessary church must be to our, to our families. We must gather all the more as we see the day approaching. I am seeing things in our world right now I never thought I would see. I, I can't believe what I'm watching on the news. I can't, I can't believe the anti-Semitism that we're seeing. I just can't, I can't believe it all the more. We must be in the house of God. Say amen, everybody. If you see the church as optional, do not be surprised when your children see God as unnecessary. Oh, we must be in the house of God. Number three, we can give our children a prayer life. We can pass on prayer to the next generation. Call unto me, and I will answer you, and I will show you things you do not know. God says there are things I am keeping hidden for people of prayer. There are things I will not reveal outside of prayer. There are things I will not say outside of prayer. There are things that I will only reveal to you in the place of there are things you don't know, but you can know when you pray. And God says, when you pray, I reveal. When you talk to me, I talk back. Prayer is a conversation between earth and heaven and heaven and earth. And a lot of Christians are walking around expecting answers to prayers that they have not prayed. Well, God knows my heart. I know, but he wants to hear your voice. God, God knows what I'm believing for, but he's, but you've got to make your, you got to make your prayers known. You've got to say them out loud. You've got to speak them out loud. You've got to declare the promises of God. And God says, when you call to me, I talk back. When you talk to me, I talk back. Our God hears and answers prayer. And I want to, give, I want to give you a, a, a key principle to this in Psalm 66. And I really want to talk to men when I say this, because this is hard for us. Certainly God has heard me. He's given heed. Now, now watch this, men, because we're because we're men. We don't we don't talk a lot. He's given voice to my prayer. He's given heed to the voice of my prayer. Watch that. It, it's, it's one thing to tell your kids you're praying for them, but it's another thing for your kids to hear you pray. I'm telling you, there's power when your child 
hears you pray. I don't really know what to say. Then just say that. Well, Lord, praise the Lord. We just uh, pray you bless Johnny today. In Jesus' name, amen. It's, it's better than nothing. It's better than nothing. It's better to pray something. Because it's not really the words that your kid's going to remember. It's the presence they're going to feel when mom and dad pray. Can, can, can I tell you, just right before service, I was, I was telling Pastor John about a, a piece of land that we're trying to buy, and it's going to take a miracle. And you know what? Pastor Don didn't pat me on the back and go, well, be praying for you. Hey, Brandon, put it on the prayer list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. He said, let's pray. And I went, yeah, of course. <laughs> so we prayed. And we grabbed each other. And Pastor, I'm telling you, Pastor John prayed a prayer. I'm like, it's done. We're getting that land. It's over. Like, it's done. Come on, somebody. If you're in trouble... You want a Pastor John Lindell on your, on your side. Amen. I'm like, oh, it's over. We're getting that land. I don't know how. I don't know when. I, don't, I have no idea. It's done. Can I tell you, your kids can feel that from you. Or they go, it's, it's done. Dad prayed. Mom prayed. They feel it. Every night I pray for my daughter and I, I grab her. I actually don't. I, I, I lay with her in bed. And I'll say, let's pray. And, and she, it's just like clockwork. Now, I don't know how it happened, but we'll kind of be spooning, you know, laying. And I'll go, all right, let's pray. And she will reach back and grab my arm and wrap it around her. And she holds it so tight. And then I'll kind of peek over and her face like this. <laughs> and my kid don't stop talking, okay? But in prayer, she'll just, and I'll pray for her. And she just holds on. And she holds on and she holds on. And, and, and sometimes I'll just kind of forget. I'll just kind of be done praying. And I kind of won't. And she'll go, Dad, what? In Jesus' name, amen. And I'll go, oh, yeah, yeah. In Jesus' name. She'll go, amen. You know, she's only seven years old. She won't remember all the words that I prayed over her. But she'll never forget how she felt. And, you know, I pray in tons now. And she'll go, I like when you do that. We'll worship in the car. She goes, I like what I feel when we sing to Jesus. Friend, let me just say, she'll never forget it. Your kids will never forget it. But I got a 16-year-old, and if I try to pray for them, they'll gouge my eyes out. I know, I know. Put on a helmet. Come on, somebody. Get your shield. <laughs> Maybe wait till they're asleep. And then pray the prayer of faith. Hallelujah. Number four, we can speak words of blessing over our children. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now, I really want you to catch the second part of the verse. Those who love it will eat its fruits. Watch. We are eating our words. Your children are eating of your words. Can I just tell you, I must be responsible for the words and the tone of my home. 
and this is especially important for dads because you're the head of the house and you got to set that tone. And listen to me, dads, it's tough, but you got to do it. Here's what I mean. You're driving home from work and you're stressed and you're maybe had a bad day and maybe things didn't go well and you're tired. You're tired. You just worked all day and you pull up to that house and you just want to walk into the house and ignore everybody and turn on sports center and But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take responsibility for the words and the tone of my home. And by the way, pastors do this too because we have long meetings. and You just get home. You just want to disappear. So I'll tell you what I do. I pull into the house. Take a deep breath. Play a little worship music real quick. Pray. And I say, okay, God, help me. Help me right now to walk into that house and set the tone. And set the temperature. Amen. You walk into that house. You fling the door open. And you don't walk in huffing and puffing. You walk in and go. Dad's home. And your kids just think. You're Superman. They don't know you're Clark Kent. They don't know you're tired. They don't know you're hurting. They don't know you're stressed about money. They don't know that you're worried about Christmas. They don't know all that. And they just run, Dad, hey, what's up? And you just grab them all. And you look at your wife. You go, what's up, babe? And she's like, who are you? And you go plant a big kiss on her. And the kids go, yeah. And you look at your wife. You say, put on some Christmas carols. And she's like, what is happening right now? And you set the tone. And you got rocking around the Christmas tree, have a happy holiday. And you're just there. And on the inside, you're going, I just want to go to sleep. <laughs> but your kiddos don't know that. And you engage and you set the tone and God honors it. And you know what happens? You start eating your words. And instead of going in with a spirit of intimidation and dad's tired and dad's grumpy and let dad have some time and stay away from dad, now I go in and I set the tone of, he, he's the life force of the house. He, and you go, Jamin, that's easy for you. You're a preacher. You're, you're a minister. You, I'm telling you, I'm as, I'm as antisocial as anybody you've ever met. I'm an introvert. I get my energy from being alone. But, but I know that I can speak words of blessing that will set the tone of my home. Genesis 49. Genesis 49. Jacob is blessing his sons. And look how he does it. He said to them, now I want you to watch this. He said to them and bless them. Watch. You bless your children by the words you speak. Well, I pay the bills. That's not blessing. Well, I feed them three meals a day. That's not blessing. That's good. You do need to do that. But blessing comes from words. Giving each the blessing appropriate for them. Jacob grabbed all 12 sons and he went, Joseph, I bless you. And he gave him words. Simeon, I bless you. Judah, I bless you. And he gave every one of his sons. He didn't grab his 12 sons and go, well, yo, you guys know I love you. No, no, no. He gave them each a specific blessing. He spoke destiny and purpose and future. 
And you got to grab your kids and you got to do that. You can make the team. Go try out. What if I don't make it? We got next year. We'll work harder. It's all good. Let's go. Hey, bro, ask her out. Ask her out to prom. Go for it. What if she says no? Ask her best friend to prom. Just keep it moving. Just keep it going. Just you gotta, you gotta encourage. Go, girl. Try to try to join that. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you're gonna go to camp. You're gonna make a lot of great friends. It's gonna be awesome. You you speak life. See, because a lot of parenting becomes cautionary. Don't talk to strangers. Don't do drugs. Don't drink. Look both ways before you cross. Your, all that's good. All that's good. Do all that. But you also have to speak blessing into them. You can do it. You can make it. I'm proud of you. You're awesome. You're going to crush it. Uh, yesterday morning, I, I flew here. My daughter had a, um, a, a, a piano recital. So Friday night, or all day Friday, I spent the day with her because she knew I was going to miss the recital. And then Friday night, she did a little recital just for me. And then yesterday morning, as I was flying out, I grabbed her. And I looked at her. I said, Goldie, you're going to crush it. I don't know if crush it's good or I don't know, but I'm just trying, okay? Give me some grace. I go, you're going to crush it. She goes, okay. So last night after dinner, we FaceTime and I go, tell me everything. I go, were you nervous? She goes, there were so many people there. I go, were you scared? She goes, no. Dad, I crushed it. And I got my phone. I go, of course you did. You're the best. You're the next Beethoven. crush it. Your kids don't forget that. And you know what? I, I, let me just talk to men really quick. You're sitting there going, I made too many mistakes. I'm unqualified. I'm disqualified. I don't, I don't have that emotional capacity. Can I tell you the spirit of God will help you? If you start praying this prayer, Holy Spirit, help me to be a dad. Teach me to be a dad. He will. He'll just start giving you weird thoughts and weird conversations and a weird grace for your kids. And a, you're like, man, this is like not me. I didn't learn this. I didn't learn this from my earthly father. And yet somehow the Holy Spirit's helped me. God speaks through Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 14. And there at the end of that verse, he says, he says, fight for your families. Fight for your families. Fight for your sons and your daughters and your wives and your fight because your family's worth the fight. But now watch what I'm saying here. A great family life doesn't just happen. You got to fight for it. In this world, you got to fight for it. In this country, you got to fight for it. You choose what they wear. I'm raising my daughter in what's called Sin City, but I'm choosing the clothes I pass on. I, I, can't, I can't keep her from everything, but I decide what I'm passing on to her. And I believe that the blessing defeats the curse every 
茶。